The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call, did write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a toddler with a sugar rush to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Mark. The other host, Jim, uh, normally does that bit, but uh, he's in the middle of moving house. So we thought, hey, the British Parliament is being prorogued, so we'll prorogue the whole fallacious Trump studio recording as well. But no, seriously, he's um, middle of the chaos of moving all that stuff, so actually we haven't been able to get together to record the latest episode, which this week we were going to look at the appeal to fear fallacy, and it occurred to us actually what we could do is appeal to fear. Fear, Trump in the White House, the book by Bob Woodward. We have a sister podcast that is available for patrons of the Fallacious Trump podcast. And it's their bonus for um, doing that patronly thing of subscribing and paying for episodes. And we thought we could give you, the rest of you that don't do that, um, a sneak preview of the first episode of us covering Fear, Trump in the White House, the Bob Woodward book. It's quite nice to read, knowing that all the things he's talking about have actually kind of come to pass. So it's, uh, yeah, it's good fun. We go through it chapter by chapter and we thought we'd let you in on the secret. We thought you um, might quite enjoy listening to that. Of course, patrons who are already paying for the privilege of listening to this podcast and getting the free gift, uh, obviously we won't charge you for this episode because you've heard it already. And of course, if you enjoy the prologue from Fear, you can catch up with the rest of the chapters that we've been covering in our podcast by becoming a patron. Sign up and subscribe and you can get 20-odd episodes. You can binge over the period that the British Parliament remains prorogued. Lots to talk about next time on Fallacious Trump. Maybe tax returns will appear. We'll take the piss out of Ivanka in Rome. We might have a general election. We might have a British government. Who knows? So we hope you enjoy this bonus episode and join us next time on Fallacious Trump. Follow us in the meantime on Facebook or Twitter. And until we meet again in a couple of weeks' time, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. The book means nothing. It's a work of fiction. If you look back at Woodward's past, he had the same problem with other presidents. This idiot Woodward, who wrote this book, which is all fiction, said that I said something like that, but he put it in a very crude manner. This Woodward book is a total fraud. These people, you really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to the first episode of our bonus series where we discuss Bob Woodward's book, Fear, Trump in the White House. This is exclusively for patrons. Uh, so if you're listening to this, thank you very, very much thank for your you support. Thank you very much. And we Patronage. hope that this will be 
Yeah, and we hope this will be a, a, a fun, extra little thing that you will enjoy listening to. Yeah. So, and if yeah. you do, let us know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, we're actually going to start the, the book has quite a lot before chapter one. Um, mm. It has a, a prologue. It also has an author's personal note. Um, I know, which and, I found very intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. Which so so today of... we're just actually, we're not even going to get to chapter one. We're going to no. just talk about all the <laughs> stuff that happens before that in the book. Um, and we're, well, we, Even we, actually the quote before that. Yeah. You know, after which the dedication. And then explains the why it's called fear, yeah. But also what I find interesting is that later on, um, uh, Bob Woodward says Trump declined to be interviewed for this book. And yet the the first bit in the uh, the quote from which fear comes from is a real power is I don't even want to use the word fear. It comes from an interview with Bob Woodward by yeah. Donald well, Trump. Well, he's interviewed him a few times actually yeah. over the over the years, but, um, but obviously that specifically was for the book, not not for this book, and, yeah, and yeah. not about the events that are covered in the book. Um, so I presume partly because. Um, Woodward got a lot of background stuff from the other people that he interviewed and and would have liked, in fact, he, he tried several times to get an interview with Trump to talk right. to him about some of the stuff he'd found out from other people. Um, Trump claimed that none of his staff ever told him that Woodward had been trying to get hold of him to, to right. do an interview with him. Yeah. So... There you go. Yeah, I and, uh, well, I think uh, along the, uh, yes, exactly along the lines of last episode of uh, Fallacious Trump, uh, when he denied that the Russians were trying to get hold of him to uh, yeah. share some information with him or his yeah. son-in-law. Yeah. So there's a lot of books about Trump, um, and one of them that's just come out uh, is by Stormy Daniels, for example. Um, there's uh, Omarosa's book. That, I actually don't know, to be honest, Tommy Daniel's book. It just occurs sure. to me that the, the ones I've read all start with F. So there's Fire and the Fury yeah, and Fear. That's true. And maybe Stormy Daniel's just fuck. It could start with an F, yeah. 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 Uh, it is because, F. Yeah. It does start with an F. It's but, called Full Disclosure. Ah. So, yeah. F Trump. Ah, yeah. Uh, all these F Trump. And we're there. We're, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, we're there. There's... um. Uh, I think Omarosa's book is, I think, called something like Unhinged or something like that, but mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. also made with lots of tapes. But really, realistically, Bob Woodward has a little bit more uh, cachet, shall we say, a little bit gravitas. more journalistic experience and gravitas. Yeah, yeah he's, a, he's a bit of an elder statesman of journalism. And interesting, what, what you in the opening title tune, Sting, that uh, Trump kind of denies that. He said, if you look at him, he's got a you know, terrible track record of previous presidents. You go, well, no, that's yeah. precisely what he does have. He's a great track record. And, Absolutely. Uh, he's written books about various other presidents, hmm. um, obviously most famously about Nixon, mm -hmm. but um, about pretty much, I think, certainly Bush and Obama, he's written books about, and, and I think Clinton as well. Yeah, he's... Quite well versed in this world. Yes, and he knows how to. Do uh, and the the um, critic Clive James, uh, who's Australian critic, who's very popular in the UK, and I think actually made it into the US as well. Uh, he he said of Woodward that he checks his facts until they weep with boredom. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, um, he's generally seen to be reliable. Let's say yeah. that. And in fact, the author's personal note ahead of the prologue. Um, 
actually kind of talks about the process by which they gathered this information. And even in the note to readers, they talk about the the deep background. So there's about uh, hundreds of hours of interviews with uh, and taped and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot going on with reams and reams of paper and uh, yeah, he says so he all, kind of lays down all his credentials. Of the people he talked to allowed him to tape record their interviews so that the story could be told with more precision. Um, obviously, not all of them, uh, you know, he was doing it using deep background rules. So that meant that he wasn't going to attribute necessarily unless they gave him permission um, what they said to them. But the fact that he has tapes um, means that I suppose if, if anyone... yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you would use those. It's obviously they're they're be they're used to make sure that what he's writing is precise because he would have yep. gone back to the tapes originally. But um you can't really, I suppose, use it for um debunking someone saying, Oh, this is all bollocks, I never said that. Yeah. Because it, you've told them that you're not gonna reveal exactly, the, yeah, uh, the ones that said the, it. It's stuff talked about in the confessional, isn't it? So it's you know, it's stuff that you can't really turn over, but I suspect at some point if they need to, the FBI will go, Do you know what, Bob? We're gonna have them for that. But isn't if that the plot of the yeah. post though? Yeah. Yeah. The uh so it, but yeah, so what's interesting I find about the the other bit of uh, Trump's insistent at the head of the sting um, is that it, he says several times that it's fiction. And I think it's... So despite those those statements at the beginning, ahead of the prologue, of the credentials and the authenticity of where all this material comes from, the way he's then set the book out, it uses the structure of a storybook, much like Michael Wolff's Fire and the Fury did, which makes yeah we call in- them novels yeah <laughs> yeah 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 did i say yeah. storybooks yeah you said yeah, sto- yeah. and it's, so it's a <laughs> it's like it's the gruffalo isn't it it's it's that, yeah 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 he is the gruffalo. yeah those are the kind of books that trump reads the yeah. <laughs> yeah i think they're probably more picture books that happen uh-huh. to have a narrative yeah and um so <laughs> so where where I think Trump is getting his fiction from is that the the uh, the idiom that Woodward has used is of a, a fictionalized account um, of what's going on in order to make it uh, terribly compelling to keep reading, um, and and it is God is such a good yeah word. yeah and it and it works to um, to to draw you in rather than mm. just being kind of dry facts and, and yeah. this is this is yeah. what this person said and they were lying and here's the information um it it does it does tell the story it i mean it what's that's why woodward is as good as he is really yeah yeah um, yeah and it's yes it's a proper it's a proper documentary isn't it and um so my my issue with it i guess was in this world of story and uh, you know, worrying about where the facts are coming from and uh, Trump dismissing everything as works of fiction. I guess what I wanted were, uh, I wanted a, a concordance, you know, a, a book that goes along with it that you can refer to that's got the very documents that they're talking about. So you can see in black and white the date and time stamp of where this was going on. So you can verify the story. I just feel in the, in the, 
post-Trump world that I need that kind of <laughs> fact, fact to hold yeah. on to. So if anybody came and went, oh, well, that's just completely made up, you could go, it isn't. Look, here yeah, you are. Want like a, you want the book to come with a dossier. Yes, of, exactly. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Documentary of, evidence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To just back it all up. So if if anybody dismisses it because I get this sense that this is going to be quite a divisive book and you know dismissed as uh, fiction by the Republicans or, or you know certainly the Trump supporting Republicans um, and lapped up by the Democrats and uh, maybe Mike Pence will go well yeah this is what's going on here it is this is my lodestar <laughs> yeah so um, it's the prologue uh, starts with a story which actually really made the rounds uh, mm. when the book was was due to come out. This was one of the stories that kind of was on all the news, uh, which is about Gary Cohn um, stealing a letter mm. from the president's desk, um, which tells me that the uh, the journalists who talked about this probably got a copy of the book and and read the first few pages and went, oh, we should just say this. We should just, yeah, yeah, we should yeah. just talk about this. We don't need to read the whole thing and then, you know, pick out interesting bits. This is enough. So, because <laughs> it was just everywhere, this story. So you've already heard it, I'm sure. But basically, um, it was about a, a letter that Trump supposedly had on his desk about uh, withdrawing from a trade agreement with South Korea. And, uh, and Gary Cohn who was a kind of top economic advisor to the president, while he was in the Oval Office for some reason, saw the letter on the desk, thought, that's bad. We can't send that because mm, mm. things, bad things will happen. So he took the letter off the desk so that Trump wouldn't be able to sign it and send it and withdraw from the uh, the United States-Korea Free Trade Agreement. Yeah. Because yeah, because of the implication for national security and yeah. you know having uh, troops stationed there and being in the vicinity of any intercontinental ballistic missile launch yeah. from and the northern neighbours, is Trump just doesn't understand that why South Korea is important, why they need to be an ally. Um, he says later on in the. Uh, prologue, he says, um, why is the US paying $1 billion uh, a year for an anti-ballistic missile system in South Korea? Um, and he, he said he threatened to pull it out of South Korea and move it to Portland, Oregon. He doesn't understand <laughs> that yeah. if the North Koreans were to launch a weapon at yeah. the US, they might notice it earlier in South Korea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, nobody in Oregon is going to launch a missile. <laughs> Yeah. towards the White House. Yeah. So, yeah, and it, it says um, it says that it, the, in Alaska, kind of watching from Alaska to see if North Korea launches a missile, you they would know 15 minutes after it was launched. Ooh, but yeah. if if they have this base in South Korea, if they have the, the troops, the US troops in South Korea and the, and the, anti, the anti-ballistic missile system... Um, they would know within seven seconds of a launch wow. and they would be able to shoot it down. Well, yeah. It had a chance to get anywhere near the US. And, and it also, so he kind of, he doesn't get the interconnectedness of all things. No. 
not you know and and also ignoring the Korean War anyway, which kind of you know the the reason it's fucked up is not is due in no small part because of America anyway. So part of it is paying their dues and maintaining peace in that part of the world, which they part ruined. Of, sure, part of it is, but the least important part in terms of, of national security and defence. Yeah, yeah. And even if that was all it was, you kind of, I mean, I wouldn't agree with Trump, but you can see where he's coming from if he says, well, you know, why are we doing all this stuff? Why are we spending so much money to, to help South Korea? It's not yeah. helping South Korea. No. The, the fact that you get to be in South Korea so that you know what the North Koreans are doing is absolutely That's the vulnerable. point, yeah, yeah. Especially <laughs> if in your second year you decide to poke the North Koreans as hard <laughs> as you can with a big stick. yeah. <laughs> and hope they don't fire a nuclear missile at you. Yes, exactly. What I find also interesting in the uh, in the book, like we're in paragraph two of the prologue, and the uh, you know five words in, he goes cone hyphen six foot three, bald, brash, and full of self confidence. So you get that in kind of parentheses, and so you you he's poised to go into the room, and you can see what he looks like. So he's yeah. going to fill the door frame. And so, and so he's not, it's, I guess that's to set it up to, uh, so he's a big guy. He's not going to go in the room unnoticed. He's then got to secrete <laughs> got to steal this, this, letter. this letter of the thing and shove it in his back pocket or in his jacket or something somehow. Yeah. But I guess also. Woodward means- also does that with uh, Rob Porter. Um, right. who he describes as six foot four, rail thin, 40 years old and raised a Mormon, <laughs> which is a great description. <laughs> that tells you everything lovely, you need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then follows that with, was one of the grey men. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah no, I know exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, he's Elder, elder Porter. Yeah, uh-huh. so he's, he's done, he's been out. He's been doing the, uh, you know, the evangelistic knocking on doors stuff. Yeah. He was called Elder Porter at some stage. Yeah, so Cone and Porter kind of worked together, basically, to to make sure that no matter how many versions of this letter yeah. were produced, they yeah. never got sent. Um, and even at one point, um, Trump dictated a, a letter. He was basically just seemed to be constantly pissed off that they were still in this free trade agreement. Yeah. I think he yeah. could he kind of occasionally looked around and go didn't didn't i say we shouldn't do that didn't i get Pelet out of that oh let's just we'll do it have to do it again yeah um, yeah and so apparently he he dictated a, le- a new letter to kushner uh well he dictated a letter basically to the room and kushner yeah. was the nearest person to him so he he took it down and, down um and said uh yeah you know finish finish that letter and i'll sign it and um conan porter got involved again and said, "Oh yeah, you need to send a draft of that to me so that we can do it properly." And and right, um, and they showed Trump the draft, and then basically told him, "You know, it's not ready. There's lots of stuff we need to talk about. We need to do things." And and yeah. it yeah. says, "Smothered the president with facts and logic." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is brilliant. We, That's we kind of what we're trying to do. Him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so just to kind of bore him and distract him, and just yeah. go, "Oh, look, a shiny thing." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he'll and so. Him. 
And so Trump said, well, okay, let's keep working on the letter. Show me the next draft. And they just never did. And that was yeah. enough because he's a fucking idiot. So, yeah. <laughs> so he, he, he has never, and maybe, I don't know if he, he's, I mean, he's not going to read this, but maybe he'll get someone to read it to him. Oh, no, that but, was my um, other worry. Yeah, he's going to read yeah. this in the chapter. He'll go, oh, that's what happened to think, it. Oh, Where yeah, is it? I need to do that. Yeah, yeah. Where is it? You guys, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. So um, so basically, in the end, they had to get Jim Mattis uh, to explain to Trump why um, South Korea was an important ally. And yeah. It's not just about trade. Um, yeah. And, um, and it's not just maybe... the cost of it, it's the value of it. Yes. Yeah. And, it doesn't, and it's not clear from the prologue whether that actually went in, whether he understood or anything. But... Um, but yeah, it seems like that that was. It's a nice scene setter because it kind of describes the chaos and the people that work there. It's the it's the people working behind the scenes, um, of which Mike Pence possibly Lowestar is one of them, um, and it, it kind of sets it up so that there are people working together despite the pre- president to stop him doing stuff. And having to do it over and over again with the same... So his illustration is they're doing it with the same memo. So it's kind of setting it up from what we know about his repetitive nature that we're going to be faced with that. So it is an exciting... It's a pre-credit sequence, isn't it? Yeah. It's the... uh, um, It is, you know, this could lead into the... The voiceover of Mike Pence walking up the lawn into the White House, saying, "I know, I am one of them." Yeah, and what yeah. I really also like is that you get a facsimile of the uh, of the memo. And what they didn't do is like burn the memo. They no, didn't. No, they take it, it away and bury it in the garden. Keep written on it. <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know Not, how many copies. I wonder how many copies they eventually had. Yeah. You know, like scrapbooking with them. Yeah, but, yeah, and why yeah. is it in a folder called "keep" rather than "destroy"? Yeah, do yeah. not send. Yes, do not so. send it. Don't even open it. Do not open until Christmas. Yeah, send to so, Obama. At some point, someone is going to make a film of yeah. this book. They have to. Yeah, um, yeah. It will be maybe it'll be like uh, all the president's men, um, or. I've got a horrible else. feeling Ron, sure. Ron Howard will end up directing it. It could be, it could be, yeah. It'll be. So, in the in the, the story, in the film of yeah. this book, who yeah. would you cast yeah. in in the parts that we've covered so far in, in the prologue? We've got we've got Gary Cohn. Yeah. Uh we've got Roy uh, Porter. Uh, well Gary Cohn will actually Rob Porter, sorry. Um so Gary Cohn possibly Kevin Spacey. I don't, he's, Kevin Spacey's he's, kind of small, isn't he? He's in, yeah, like, yeah. So it makes uh, me think of Burbank. He's uh, I, I, you know, well, you know, gone. I was going to say the guy that played Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy. So uh, Dave okay. Bautista. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's I'd, I'd have he's him. gone completely the other way. <laughs> right. I yeah. got. I tell you who I think is. Uh, my pick is Dean Norris, who is Hank from Breaking Bad. Oh, nice! Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. So, Rob yeah. Porter. Um, Rob Porter, you're not going to like this, Matthew Perry. 
Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Because of something about Chandler when he had that job as a... Uh, when, he, when he got the job and everybody yeah. hated him and because he became management. Something yeah. about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you, I, I think maybe Matthew Perry during the Vicodin years when he was... Right. He had like season season three and four, I think. He yeah. had some some painkiller yeah. addiction problems, and yeah, he got yeah, really yeah. thin. And yeah. Um, yeah, that maybe he's just recently actually played um, Ted Kennedy oh, in okay. a miniseries uh, ah. about about Camelot and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, um, so ah, oh yeah, yeah no, that'd be interesting. Good. Um, and also, I think that because Dave Bautista would be the kind of big bruisey kind of guy, um, you know, with or without the tattoos. But, um, but so you need, uh, you need a kind of comic foil. Like a it's double act. The... For me, Rob Porter, mm-hmm. although I don't think either of them are the same height. I, I, cause partly cause I just don't like Rob Porter cause he's a wife beater and an asshole. Um, I also don't like Casey Affleck. I'm not a fan. Don't like him. I think he'd do a good Rob Porter. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's very, he he's was, kind of Weasley and yeah, 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 um, yeah. or or Joaquin Phoenix, who I also have an ir- yeah. irrational dislike of. Uh, and the, yeah, yeah, just needs they, you need to be a bit kind of slimy, a bit Weasley and and, and propensity to grow an enormous beard. Has he? Well, well both of Rob those. Porter. Oh, no, those two have. The actors, yeah. I yeah. Rob Porter, I <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, they do. That's true. They do both. They have both done that. So Usually, yeah. The, yeah. the most important part of this movie, yeah. Um, who who would play Trump in your version? Well, because in the book, Bob Woodward uh, says, that Bannon says, um, well, he's Archie Bunker. So... <laughs> You know, and the nearest we've got to yeah, but our Carol O'Connor, Carol O'Connor is is dead. So yeah, I know. So yeah. so the nearest we've got to Archie Bunker is probably John Goodman. Yeah, yeah, Goodman would be good. Although for me, yeah, um, I he's he was such a perfect Rex Tillerson in right um, in Saturday Night Live. I don't know if I can pick a better Rex Tillerson, so I don't want to yeah. take him out of that position. I want, okay. want, to, I want to keep him free for me. Yeah. For that. Um, so I've got, I've got a few thoughts for for Trump. I, I mean, it's Alec Baldwin is amazing as Trump yeah. in Saturday Night Live. Um, yeah. But I think that's too that's too easy. I think Gary Boosie has the right combination. Of of the kind of physicality and the just pure craziness, yeah, uh, yeah, to, yeah. To do yeah, yeah. Could do it. yeah, yeah. You could believe him as a total, yeah, nut job, because uh, he is. So I think yeah. that could work. <laughs> um, I think an interesting yeah. thought that I heard recently is Martin Sheen, um, who obviously as Jed Bartlett in The West Wing could not possibly have been less like Trump. Yeah. But I think he could do it. I think he, yeah. and he hates Trump with a passion. So if it was a negative um, portrayal, which it would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he Well, he did he play, he, when it, actually he played Kennedy, didn't he? He did, yeah. Um, uh, JF Kennedy in, yeah. Which, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
But yeah. I kind of leaning towards Gary Boosie because just yeah. the comedy. No, I'll value. go along with that. Plus, he's got the hair already. He's yeah, absolutely. So yeah, yeah, I'll go along with that. Yeah. Okay. What about cool. Jane Jim Mattis? Jim Mattis. See, that's he's. It's a bit more difficult that one. Yeah. Um, because he's kind of. See, I I think actually Kevin Spacey is more of a Jim okay. Mattis type. He's probably not quite. Um, you kind of, I I would want to see someone who you could believe, and I don't know about Jim Mattis at all, but I feel like under his uniform, he's kind of like he's he works out, he's built, right? Even though he's quite small framed, yeah. I feel like he yeah. kind of he could put you down. Um, and I'm not sure I feel that way about Kevin Spacey. I think uh, I need someone who seems like he might be dangerous. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, um, yeah. See, I was going to go for the uh, um, the comedy factor, and actually, if he was still alive, I don't know. Maybe he's not dead. I would actually pick Slim Pickens. <laughs> okay. Mainly because of the the not dissimilar facial features. Um, it's a bit kind of droopy. The dog, Jim Mattis, isn't he it? is. Yeah. Um, so that kind of oh dear oh my, but but slim pickings and also there's the the you know the throwback connection to Doctor Strangelove. Yes. Um, not not only is Slim Pickens no longer with us, he died in 1983. Wow, so that's a, uh, that's a while. So yeah, so yeah. who's the who's the modern equivalent of Slim Pickens? We want that kind of. It, See, maybe it, Bill Murray if he lost. I don't know how. There how, you go. Uh, how kind of bulky now. Bill yeah, Murray yeah. is at the moment, or if he's a lot yeah. bit weight, but yeah. yeah, I can see him. Yeah, or Chevy Chase. That might be interesting. Chevy mm. Chase is quite husky these days. He's quite. He's, it, I mean, I last thing I saw him in was Community, which he's great in. Right. But, um, I don't know. I could see. I'll, I'll I'll come back to Chevy. I think for another yeah. Yeah. another chapter. Okay. Because you yeah. see, what we've done is mainly cast it with comedians. <laughs> Yeah, funnily enough. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, would it be what kind of film would it be? Would it be a comedy? This, if they made oh, fear, ooh, yeah. I, would well, it, it wouldn't if, be a political thriller. I don't think they can. They could do that. No, it, could they? Uh, it, uh, ooh. Yeah, might might it be a caper movie? You know, so like the new Michael Caine gold heist thing yeah could you do it as if it was a uh, a plot to do one last big job <laughs> you know before we all retire Being or president yeah 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 kind of kind of that so you just go well you know there, there's trump because there's this there's this implication throughout the book and through michael wolf's book and you know various gags that we talk about that it was never their intention to win. Yeah. Um, and if and that would make it perfect sense. So it was something that there's this massive so crazy of, plot. And so it's you know, like what the if, producers, but yeah, political yeah, yeah. yeah. So they um, yeah, it's all gone horribly wrong and now they have to run the country. Yeah. But it starts up but Trump is completely unaware of that. He's he's none the wiser. So he's he's really going for it. He's going, Oh yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Um 
you know, we talk about, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go. So they kind of, they realise that, so it's a cross between a caper movie and Frankenstein. So they realise they <laughs> made, made this monster and then they can't switch it off. They can't yeah. uh, stop doing it. And, you know, and to get all the way to the polling uh, booths and realise, oh, my God, our worst nightmares come true. He's won. You know, we thought we thought we could just retire, but no, he's won. So uh, would you have a, uh, as is the, the, the kind of fashion these days, to have a, a Brit play the villain, play a villain? Yeah. What, what about if we cast a Brit as Trump? Who would that be? Hmm. A fancy That's Patrick Stewart in a wig. Ken Stott. I think. Yeah, that's going to mean nothing to anybody no. outside of these shores. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I will. Or possibly, uh, or I'll tell I you would... what, Brendan Gleeson. How about Brendan Gleeson? Yeah. He could do it. As Trump, yeah. Yeah, well, as Trump. Yeah, that, well, he's doing a nice line in Catholic Priest these days, isn't he? Yeah. Um, he, was, he was also great in Paddington too. <laughs> As yeah. Knuckles McGinty. Yes, exactly. It <laughs> was indeed, yeah. Ken Stott, I reckon, would make a good Bannon. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Our next episode, where we will cover chapter one, yeah. uh, we'll, um, we'll cover, I suppose, mainly Bannon's introduction to Trump and to the campaign. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. We'll be yeah. back with that in, in two weeks' time. Uh, in the week in between so, uh, yeah. two fallacious Trump episodes. And uh, thanks again yep. very much for your support as a patron. And we will see you then. I hope you've enjoyed this first episode and we'll stick with us. And if you'd like to read along, yeah, get hold of the book and um, read up chapter and make any comments on, uh, you know, leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And, and at, uh, at the rate of one chapter every two weeks, it should only take us about 18 months to get through the book. Yeah, hopefully that'll be the end of the presidency. And that's the end of that chapter.